It's a sensitive, delicate deal dragging brand new songs out of the sky. Trading ideas, accepting some, storing others in the maybe later bag, moving on and along with hardly a plan. During the Zep years, I never imagined a full-scale album project without the other guys, and even less the idea of new writing partners. But then, since 1981, I've enjoyed many amazing, exciting musicians in the sharing, in the writing, in production and engineering. Men and women who encouraged and enlightened, introducing me to crazy curves I could never have imagined. For this podcast, I'm going to be picking out some songs from here and there along the way, mixing constant shifts in sound and intention from across this long, old time. There's a story in all of them. I'm Robert Plant, and this is Digging Deep. Hello, and welcome to Season 4 of Digging Deep with Robert Plant, Episode 1. My name is Matt Everett, and as with previous seasons, each week myself and Robert are going to focus on a song from Robert's back catalogue and delve into its history, the events that inspired it, the musicians that played on it, the world from which it was born. If you've heard previous episodes, welcome back. Nice to have you with us again. And if you're a new listener, we hope you enjoy the show. It's worth remembering that, a little like Robert's own musical career, we do take a less worn path around our subjects sometimes. Yes, we do discuss a track in every episode, but our route to that song sometimes takes in all matter of left turns and unexpected subjects. So you hear stories and meet characters from Robert's own life, as well as finding out more about the music that he loves and how that music has brought him here. We start this, episode one, with a song called Bluebirds Over the Mountain, written and recorded by a guy called Ozil Hickey in 1958. Ozil was an American rockabilly singer from New York, and Bluebirds Over the Mountain was the first song he ever wrote, which in itself is no small achievement. Richie Valens had a hit with his version, also in 1958, and ten years later the Beach Boys covered it and had a hit with it again. Robert's version appears on his 2017 album Carry Fire and includes vocals from Chrissy Hind, all of which we cover, but before we get to that... We kind of need to set the scene. The last season of Digging Deep was released in July and August 2020, and that was recorded in front of a live audience at Rough Trade Records in London. And a lot has happened for all of us since then. So when we sat down in 2021 to record this, it was the first time I'd seen Robert for quite a while. It's really nice to see you again. Yeah, miracle, really, <laughs> under the circumstances, yeah. This is very different. This is a different world to the world when we last spoke yeah. uh, at Rough Trade. Quite a bit has happened. Sure. And, you know, it's such a huge, vast landscape of us all having to get prepared for something that we didn't anticipate and didn't know. You look over your shoulder, you can't see anything. You just, so it's been a been a weird time yeah yeah glad to be here to chat i think because i have i've my confession is when, when we did that thing at rough trade i had a really nasty cough right and i didn't think anything of it because it was just like uh. it was just the sort of cough and then afterwards i didn't get ill but afterwards i was like do you think that might have been it mm. do you think do you think oh my god have i uh, did i did i pass it on to robert and then we didn't hear like you weren't up to very much you'd obviously just kind of having a pretty low-key time and i was like is, is he all right have i 
have I passed on like oh, that was the beginning of March though yeah, wasn't it? A, yeah yeah so like as the months passed I was like what oh my lord well you know uh, that day I saw you I just came off the plane directly from Barcelona where I went to see Wolves yeah. play Espanol and then a week later everything closed including me uh, the panic and the whole deliberation and following your every move checking yourself to make sure that it was a ridiculous experience and it's then it slackened off then it got tight again and it it's uh well we all know what it is yeah where did you spend most of the lockdown where were you uh in uh worcestershire shropshire the welsh borders just walking painting drawing painting what okay what sort of thing were you were you committing to canvas uh frustration uh, <laughs> other people who can't be named everything i could think of that kept but um yeah i think really i started putting my house in order so many people have done that right know. what do you mean well all the adventures that i've ever had with music and uh, tours album releases projects that didn't actually get finished or whatever it is i just put them itemized them all and you know, put everything into some semblance of order. So I've completely changed the, the setup. And I've told the kids when I kick the bucket, open it to the public and free a charge just to see how many silly things there were, you know, down the line from 1966 to now. It's a journey. How was it going through all that stuff then, kind of like? Well, how was it? I found a letter from my mom that said, look, You've been a very naughty boy. Why don't you come back? Because Sue wants to know where you've gone. And also, you know, the accountancy job is still open in Starport on 7. And why don't you just come back home and we'll just pretend all this... <laughs> this didn't happen. This stuff didn't happen. And I hadn't opened the letter until about three months ago. Oh, that's brilliant. And I opened it up and it made me feel crazy because... I thought about how, what a pitch it was in those days to chuck everything up in the air mm. and just say, I'm sorry, I've got to do this. And then for them to say, to throw the next card down and say, well, if you do it, you can't come back here and live the life you want to live from yeah. here. It's academia or you're out. So I went. So, and I only went back really when I got engaged and I was 19 or whatever it was and uh, went back and introduced my future ex-wife to be, you know, it was great. <clears throat> and my mother got her fake pearls out and uh, cup and saucers, you know, which dinged with a teaspoon and welcomed us. And then, um, so I, I read these things, you know, all these letters, some great stuff from Armit Ertigan, really, really succinct some from the 70s and some from the 80s, when we got, became really good friends after Led Zeppelin uh, collided. And um, it was great. There was one, one uh, it was in the time of faxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're very lucky if a fax imprint will stay because it fades on the paper. All right. Yeah. And, and Bonzo, John Bonham had won the, this really serious musician award alongside Louis Armstrong and Tony Bennett and stuff like that, in Playboy magazine. If you think about how society was then, yeah. 
it was quite reasonable to have Nat Hentoff or some really highly respected jazz critic writing about Buddy Rich. Yeah, it was the cultural yeah. force, wasn't it? Yeah, Playboy, yeah. And um, but anyway, he wrote this amazing um, sort of piece to me, saying, "Isn't it amazing how, despite all the kind of rumpus that was Led Zeppelin, this guy." transcended it with all musicians because he went right through bonzo went right across everybody's appreciation of music yeah you could cut away all the clamor and just listen to how he was contributing his part to what we used to do and it was spectacular because it was it was only showy when he wanted it to be and, and when he wanted it to be he could do all that kind of twiddling the sticks with the one hand and going around the kit with the other <laughs> if he was cleaning the sink yeah. <laughs> and he'd look at me and, and grin and um so there was these really really great things that i found you know from people that i really care about and cared about which was good and and i found so many other projects that i hadn't quite finished i found some amazing because i got my cassette world back in shape so I've got really good cassette player, renovated everything and tidied a lot of the cassettes. So if you ever want to hear Robert Plant singing with Buggles. What? Yeah, <laughs> it's Bruce Woolley and Robert Plant singing something about the city, which ended up with Grace Jones. I did, I was whoring like crazy. <laughs> I will go and write with anybody, but um, at that time. So I found these things and I play them back and some of them are, incredible how brilliant yeah i did some stuff with a guy called robert crash who was a german guy who was in new york he had a group called the psychotic tanks never heard of the and he tanks. worked a lot with uh, dave stewart right up at um eurythmic studio in church yeah and i did some stuff with him in a around the corner from here in paddington or somewhere in his room and it's insanely brilliant because it's like 1984 huge Oberheimer <laughs> computers yeah, yeah, yeah. belching out this huge bottom end with this mad German dressed in a plastic Macintosh <laughs> tied at the waist with spats doing this weave around the room playing a Stratocaster and it's just great it really is the other side of David Byrne <laughs> this, I mean this sounds brilliant that the archive is kind of getting together that's brilliant Mm, it's really good. It's very good. I don't care what happens to it. I just—it's great to hear it again. You know. One day. I don't know whether there's a one day around the corner, really. To be honest, <laughs> I'm not sure. Let's do our first track on the first episode of this season, Bluebirds Over the Mountain. Well, yeah. When I was a kid, um, we were all really aware of the American sound. Yeah. Uh, it was such a radical difference, the recording sounds. 
I wouldn't have been able to put my finger on what it was then, but there was an urgency about rock and roll in 1959 that was, I was 11 years old then. But So a lot of these songs from that era carried so much purchase against what we were trying to do over here. And I wasn't in a group. I wasn't even thinking about singing. I was just starting the huge attraction to music. And, uh, and Richie Valens cut a track called La Bamba, a famous Hispanic Mexican song. And he was on a record label called Delphi Records. And um, after that, I was aware of that, there were quite a lot of tracks that filtered through, but they were never really hits. And um, Bluebirds Over the Mountains was one of those songs. It was actually a country song in its previous guise. And, uh, and he recorded it. And I always used to use it at sound checks to sing, to see how my voice was shaping up because right. it's a crooning song yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's a sexy song and it's also it it really sums up the feel of that kind of i mean the guy was 17 when he recorded that you know 17 yeah good god well he died uh, with buddy holly so he was i think he was only like 19 or 20 then so his output richie valen's output was phenomenal but Bluebirds Over the Mountains was such a great song and I always wanted to sing it and I was looking for something I could do that would break up the intensity of um, the sensational space shifters. Our musical output was phenomenal, but it always had a lot of curves in it, in the music, in the structure, and it's such a prolific group of guys musically. You had, it's, I suppose it's the kind of marmite of psychedelic rock, you know, <laughs> if you're either on it or you're off it. So it seemed like a really good call to go to that, something, a song like that. And I just thought it was like a kind of teen ballad. Yeah, and it is, it is. So I contacted Chrissy Hind and she said, um, send me the track, how far have you gone with it? So I sent her the entire track, you know, with the lope of it and the, the sound of the the drums and the, the trippy stuff. And um, I don't know whether Seth Lakeman had stuck the fiddle on the end by then, whatever it was. It was, um, she just sent me back a bunch of amazing expletives about <laughs> somebody's keeping the spirit alive. And, and it was her. So she came and added that touch to it, which is really special. How do you know Chrissy? How, do, how far back does that relationship go? I don't know. Can't remember. <laughs> but, I, but I do know the drummer. I know various guys in the in the Pretenders, but uh, there's a kind of Hereford Welsh Borders connection there. With I think one or two of the guys at one point were from there. And um, but I've met, I've seen her around the place. She's quite a profound woman. She's got a lot of different. She's like a, the the eye of a. She's like a gem, a diamond, because there's lots of different... The light comes off from different angles. Bluebirds over the mountain Bring my back to me girl, fell in love Each was It's such a beautiful, romantic, bluebirds over the mountain, seagulls over the sea, bluebirds over the mountain, bring my baby back to me. I mean, you don't get any more pure than Mm. that, do you, really? No. 
No, and in its original guise as a country song, it, it was perfect in the mid fifties when everybody was hey, everybody had the wireless on and people sat around it to hear the equivalent of Prairie Home Companion or whatever it was and you know um it was the dreamscape. Yeah. It is that it's that it's speaking to like you might not be in this romantic world, but this is this is what mm. lies beyond. Yeah. This beauty lies beyond. This is for everyone. Yeah. Twice a week. Ozil Hickey mm. was was the guy that wrote. Apparently, and this may not be true in my limited research, it was the first song he wrote. Oh, really? Fallon's, apparently, they were out. Mm. And he said, oh, you should, you should try writing your own stuff. And that was his first attempt at writing a song, which is even more perfect because it's <laughs> yes. such a beautiful, I miss you, can't you see... You're the only one for me. Come back mm. home. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. You get shot if you wrote anything like that now. There's, there's no misery on board or whatever <laughs> it is. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's huge teenage angst was an amazing, cute place for all those random individual songwriters and also the kind of nests of songwriters in, in the Brill Building and places like that, you know, where they, Lieber and Stoller, um, Pomus and Schumann, Carol King with her husband Jerry Goffin. They would, it might as well rain until September. Those, all that sad angst, you know. Um, but there's always light just around the corner. You can see it's all going to be okay or not, you know. <laughs> That was Robert Plant's version of Bluebirds Over the Mountain from his 2017 album Carry Fire, an album you can hear now on all streaming services, where you'll also find a playlist from the Digging Deep box set, a collection of hit singles and rare b-sides and lesser-known tracks from Robert's career. If you want to know what Robert has in store, robertplant.com or at robertplant on Twitter are good places to start. See you for the next episode soon. I've been Matt Everett. Thank you very much for listening. This has been a Cup and Nuzzle production.